welcome to Sundays at Coastal. Every time we sin, we betray Jesus, and yet he never walks away. He looks at us and offers grace and mercy that can only be given from a place of deep love. The torture of the cross is not enough to separate you from the love of God. Instead, come to the foot of the cross and find redemption. Is there, is Leviticus 24 even a, are there 24 chapters in Leviticus? There are? I don't even know, so. I thought that was like Second Opinions chapter 3 or something like that. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Good morning. Hi, friends. Welcome to church. We're so glad you're here. For everybody online, hello. We love you. We love you. Uh, if you are new or visiting to this church, welcome. If you're tuning online, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Every single week, we just talk about what we believe in because uh, we forget. Uh, we see this story throughout Scripture. It's a story of being lost and then found. It's a story of being dead and then made alive. It's a story in which um, we're reminded that our worth and our hope and our purpose is secure, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. Amen? Amen. There's three things we believe in. Number one, there's always hope beyond our brokenness. Always. Always, always, always. There's never a moment when you walk into church where there's something so wrong or so stained about you that, that you can't be here. I'll never forget talking to a friend who said, I, I, I can't come to church, the roof will cave in, right? And if the roof caved in while you were here, that would be an answer to prayer so that way we could build a new facility with the insurance. So just know that like, that's okay even if that happens. Number two, we are called to trust in our risen Savior, and Jesus is alive, amen? amen. We are not called to perform. We are not called to perfect Christianese. We are not called to be religious. We are not called to pretend. We are called to trust. And trust is the best ride in Disneyland, hands down. It is wild. It is spectacular. It is dangerous. And you put the weight of your life into the capable hands of the God who is alive. And that is something that we are learning how to do together. Amen? Amen. Third, we bring restoration. So Jenna got to bring restoration to Jay this week. And Augie got to bring restoration to, to Justin and Lauren this week and that precious little baby, right? So we had two, two incredible people just see the needs around them. And we get to do that more and more and more. And then if you buy flowers this next Sunday on Easter Sunday, then the needs that are in the church get met too. And God is just doing incredible things through this church. And uh, people are getting fed and hope is being born in people's lives. And it's happening through the fabric of your relationships. And I just love it. So you do not have to have a seminary degree in order to be active in God's kingdom. In fact, the only qualification that you need is just to say yes. That's it. And I see you saying yes, and I say, good job, and keep on going. I love it. Each one of those truths has a choice. Can we, can we read this together? We are disciples who walk intentionally with God. Therefore, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first, 
and I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. All of this is true, and we can make all of these choices because Jesus first made the choice for us. And that's what today's about. So can we pray? Would that be okay? For the little girl watching online long ways away, I love you. There we go. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come fill this place. Again, we bind up and mute anything opposed to Jesus that would be attacking us or bothering us or putting us to sleep. We command it to leave us, whether we're home or in this sanctuary, now in the name of Jesus and go to Jesus to be judged. This is your time, your space. This is for your glory and your purpose, Jesus. And so we speak to our own spirits and souls and minds right now and heart, and we say, awake. We say yes to what you have for us, Jesus. Lift off any doubt or confusion. Protect us, Lord. We love you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. When I was eight years old, I accepted Jesus at summer camp with my counselor named Bumblebee. All the counselors had weird names. Uh, And so his name was Bumblebee, and I don't know why. I think he played Frisbee literally with a yellow Frisbee, and they called him Bumblebee. I don't know. Anyways, I accepted Jesus, and... Uh, and then I skipped down to the store and I bought a Snickers bar because I had $5 for my parents at the store, which was a big deal for me. And I bought a, uh, a gold pan plate uh, with the name Miracle Ranch on the pan and it was signed by all the counselors. I still have that today. Uh, and the Snickers bar, I ate that at that time. <laughs> and, then, and then I went and passed my swim test. Now the swim test was that you have to swim in the swimming area from one end to the other um, so that you could pass beyond the line of the buoys. I was eight years old, by the way. Nine? I was eight or nine. Yeah, eight and a half. And so that you could pass beyond the buoys. And when you pass beyond the buoys then, which means that you had to swim out another, oh, maybe 25, 30, 40 yards, then you got to the big slide. And the big slide was a three-story tall, two-and-a-half-story tall slide that you'd fly down and then it would launch you 15 feet into the air and 40 feet out into the air and you would land and that was like, that was the miracle at Miracle Ranch, right? (laughs) Was that you could get launched and it was so awesome, right? And the idea was is that if you could swim back and forth without touching the bottom or holding on to the buoy lines, then you had what it took physically to be able to launch off that slide and make it without dying. <laughs> so I went on the slide and I got launched and it was the feeling of freedom, right? And joy and exhilaration and I had never before in my life felt just like it was like this is the most epic thing that had ever happened to me. I said yes to Jesus. I ate a Snickers bar, and now I was flying, right? It was incredible. Um, What I didn't anticipate flying off the slide, airborne, ecstatic with joy, was the impact. And two things happened. Number one, I got an incredible wedgie. Uh, And and number two, it took my breath away, right? And then then I, I was in this inky black lake, right? Uh, And I had to swim back either to shore or back to the water slide. And of course, I wanted to go on the water slide again, but I could barely breathe. 
And so I, I turned toward, I, I had some indecision, and then I finally turned back towards the slide. And by the time I got there, I looked like a half-drowned puppy. And I could see, like, the, count, the counselors were like, come on, little guy, you can make it. Like, you can make it. Like, they were concerned. They were grabbing, you know, the buoy, whether or not they were going to have to come save me. But I finally made it there. I didn't have the strength to pull myself up on the dock. And they're like, you okay? And I'm like, yeah, let's go again, right? <laughs> and they're like, no, you're just going to hang out for a while. So I spent about a half an hour on the dock. Then I went again and finally went ashore. That was the day I accepted Jesus. Why am I telling you this story? Uh, because I thought I was ready for the deep end, and I guess I was in the sense that I made it. I lived, um, but mostly I wasn't ready. But today I want to take you to the deep end, and the deep end looks like this. Will you stick to your faith that God loves you and to the way of love even when you are terribly hurt. That's the deep end of our faith together. I have two dear friends who have been hurt recently, one hurt by a person that they love and one hurt by a broken person who's decided to break others. I was praying this week for both my friends and I was asking God, would you please stop the hurt? Would you just please like make this stop? You ever prayed that prayer before? Like, God, how could you allow this? And then the Holy Spirit said to me, um, free will? And then I realized, wait a minute. In both situations, God wasn't making the choice for my friends to get hurt. Other people were making the choice. And then the Holy Spirit gently reminded me of all the times that I had hurt other people and that wasn't his will or his plan. And God said, don't blame me. (laughs) Here's the deep truth I often don't want to admit. God has given me and you the awesome responsibility and power of our free will. Now, here's the good news. Before, well, here's the hard news. Before you met Jesus... You were stuck in an endless cycle where you would keep on choosing the wrong thing over and over again. If, if you need reminding of that, just look to the person next to you and say, that's you. <laughs> Great. Okay. Right? Here's the good news, and here's the good news that we celebrate all the time, and that we're going to celebrate with fanfare next week. The moment that I say yes to Jesus, Jesus literally deposits in me brand new life. Where I was dead, now I am alive. Where I was alone, now his spirit is literally bonded, embossed, melded, welded to me for all eternity. I have been made new. I have a new identity, I have a new appetite, I have a new love, I am His forever, amen? Amen. And now I have a choice. Now I have free will that's truly free. When hard things happen and stress comes and people hurt me, I have a choice. How am I going to respond? 
Sometimes I respond well. Sometimes I forgive. Sometimes I use the tools of the kingdom of God, love, mercy, grace, patience, kindness. And sometimes we don't. And that causes pain. And whether we're the hurt ones or the ones hurting, we're tempted to blame Jesus because we want Jesus to take away the reality of free will. We, went, we just want Jesus to just make everything all better. You picking up what I'm putting down? Yeah. And that's not how Jesus works. There are so many moments in your life, and maybe it's this week that it's happening to you. I don't know. But there are so many moments in your life when you're just going to be wrecked by another person. God doesn't love you less. God is still working in all that pain and all that grief to make something beautiful and new and incredible in you and in the situation and the people that you love. God still has a plan for good. Oswald Chambers writes this, faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I am visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. There are some things only learned in a fiery furnace. In other words, will you stick to your faith that God loves you and to the way of love even when you are terribly hurt. Now, in order to answer that question, you need to hear today's passage. And today's scripture is gonna help you answer that question with a resounding yes. Because when you see how Jesus loves you, even when he is hurt, that's the heart of the gospel. Amen? Are you ready? Yes. And then I'm going to explain all this just in a little bit. Okay, here we go. Let's read together Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. Now, where are we in this passage? Last week, we did the Lord's Supper, and we read about the Seder meal. This is Jesus' night uh, where he has the Last Supper, right? There was him and the 12 disciples and Leonardo da Vinci painting the whole thing. And then there was, right? And then Judas betrays Jesus. Remember this? Right? And in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the last week of um, this holy week, the last week before Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection takes up one-third of each, gospel, each of the Gospels. Okay, so this is a big week. This is the week that we're in now today, right? Today would have been the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem and said, and everybody would have praised him as the coming king, right? And then Thursday, this coming week, would have been the night that Jesus celebrated the Seder meal with his friends, okay? So this is taking place directly after the Seder meal. They've just celebrated it. Jesus is gone wildly off script, and instead of there being a lamb for dinner, Jesus says, I am going to be the lamb of God. This cup, which is, is the new covenant now in my blood, this is my body broken for you. Everybody oriented as to where we are in the story? Yes. Okay? So 
Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. Why? Because that's where he was camping. That's where they were sleeping, right? There was... The first time Jesus showed up in Jerusalem in his mother's belly, there was no room at the inn. Now there is also no room at the inn. They're camping in the Mount of Olives because 500,000 plus people are there in the city of Jerusalem trying to find a hotel room. And Jerusalem is less or smaller geographically than Arroyo Grande and Grover Beach put together. Okay? All of the hotels are filled. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Let's keep on reading together. Verse 40. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. What's the temptation? Well, we're about to find out, but at the heart of Jesus' warning is this. Don't try to do my job. Don't try to save. Don't try to prevent about what's about to happen or make something happen. And keep alert. Pay attention. Pray with me. Don't fall asleep. And don't try to do my job. Just stay with me. That make sense? Yes. Let's find out what happens. Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Read with me, verse 42. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Now, if you were here last week or you tuned in last week, you remember that that cup is the third promise that God makes in Exodus 6, which says this, I will redeem you with an outstretched hand and mighty acts of judgment from slavery. And what Jesus is saying is, when I redeem you, my hands will be outstretched on the cross because this promise is gonna be made now in my blood. That's the cup. Make sense? So Jesus is saying, I'd prefer not to be wrecked by others. I'd prefer Judas to not betray me and then the Jews and the Romans to work together to crucify me. But what does Jesus say? Not my will, but yours be done. Verse 43, read this with me. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Yeah. Yeah, when you make that decision, you need help. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus is literally sweating blood. This is a rare medical condition brought out by extreme stress. What's the stress? Jesus is experiencing a foretaste of what he will experience on the cross, which is separation from his heavenly Father. And the result is agony, absolute agony. And this is what Jesus chooses for you and me. Jesus chooses the agony of being wrecked for us. Of course he needs an angel to strengthen him, to remind him of the truth when all the cynicism and despair and resentment could rush in. When you're crushed, when you're that stressed, that broken, you need help. And Jesus gets up to go get help from who? His friends. He just told them, don't fall into temptation, pray with me, right? He's super, super stressed. Jesus then goes to find help from his friends. Verse 45, when he rose from prayer, read this with me. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Mm. 
Now, notice that they're not asleep, comma, because they were nitwits, right? He found them asleep, comma, exhausted from sorrow. Yeah, of course they're in sorrow. The guy that they'd been friends with for three years, Judas, the guy that had been helping them for three years, the guy that they believed in, Judas, had just betrayed them. And Jesus just said, by the way, I'm going to get crucified at the end of the week, and they still don't want to believe it. They're sad. They're broken. They've been wrecked too. But instead of obeying Jesus and praying, they're sleeping. What does Jesus say? Verse 46. Why are you sleeping? Wait, go back. Wait, take Grandma. There you go. There's Grandma Moses' picture. That'll come soon. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Why is sleeping falling into temptation? Because there's times in your life when sleep is not as important as the prayers you need to pray. Do you believe that? We forget that our prayers matter all the time. We think, oh, because this one thing didn't happen the way that I thought it would, and it might be a really significant thing. You might have prayed for somebody to not die, and they died. You might have prayed for a situation to not fall apart, and it fell apart. You might have prayed for your marriage or your kids, and they got wrecked and broken anyways. And so then we believe the greatest lie that the devil will ever tell us, which is that your prayers don't matter. Hogwash. That's straight from the pit of hell. You forget that your prayers are powerful. Your kids need your prayers. Your church needs your prayers. Your wife needs your prayers. Your work needs your prayers. Your prayers matter. Why? Because your free will is awesome and powerful. And when you use your free will to trust God, to ask for his blessing, to honor him with your trust and dependence, your good, good father always answers your prayers. Always. He's not a mean dad. When you ask for a a loaf of bread, he gives you a rock. Or when you ask him for, you know, lint chocolate for Easter, he's going to give you a scorpion. That's scriptural, y'all. But when you take yourself out of the fight, out of the game, out of the action for your entitled rest, the people who need your support are now all alone. Because what do you say? It doesn't really matter if I pray. No, it matters if you pray. In 2004, a painting, now here we go. That's Anna, Anna, by Anna Mary Robertson, better known as Grandma Moses, was brought to the Antiques Roadshow for appraisal. Don't you like the Antiques Roadshow? Oh, yeah. I always wanted to show up with like an ironing board I bought from like Target. How much is this worth? <laughs> right? Anyways, here she is. That's the painting. Here's Grandma Moses. Um, her name is Anna Mary Robertson. She was born before the Civil War. Uh, Robertson did not take up painting until late in her life. And her quote-unquote primitive style eventually became extremely popular and her work commanded a super high price. The man who brought in the painting uh, lived nearby and his grandma was a friend with Grandma Moses. And he said on the Antiques Roadshow interview, she was just a wonderful friend of the family and she would let my mother buy these paintings which she thought had relatively little value 
and I guess my mother did too. She probably brought eight or 10 paintings in all, and my guess would be for perhaps under $10 each. The painting that you just saw was sold for $60,000 at auction. It was bought for 10 bucks. Why am I telling you this? Because Grandma Moses undervalued her work, and yet her work was so, so, so valuable. Never undervalue the power and importance of your prayers when your free will is engaged with talking to the living, breathing God of the universe. Incredible things happen. Don't undervalue your prayers. Where do you think that angel came from who strengthened Jesus? Came from Jesus' friends who started to pray for him. And then they fell asleep. When you pray, things happen in the spiritual realm that make a difference. Picking up what I'm putting down? Now is the season to wake up, by the way, if you were wondering. Now is the season in our world and in our culture when we are desperately needing your prayers. Now is the season when you need to be praying for your neighbors and praying for your children. We're in the middle of a, just came off of a pandemic. There's a global war starting. Now is the time when people need God's presence in their life more than any any other time. Amen? Amen? Verse 47. While Jesus was still speaking, a crowd came up. And the man who was called Judas, one of the 12, was leading them. He approached Jesus to, this is where we get the phrase, kiss of death. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Now the disciples are awake. Yeah? Because they're surrounded by armed guards. Peter draws his sword. They have two swords in their group. Verse 49, read with me. When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? Right? Now's the time, right? Are you ready? Shall we do this? 50, and one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. What's missing from this sequence? The right ear. Thanks, Alan. <laughs> yes. His name was Van Gogh. No, what's missing is that, is that Jesus' friends don't wait for Jesus to answer. They're like, hey, should we kill him now? Oh, you ever done that? God, what do I do? Never mind, I got it. You and I are experts at this move, okay? Lord, I need your direction. Would you please just cover my tracks while I do what I want? Lord, I really need your help fixing the mess I just made because I didn't ask you what to do. You figuring out what I'm putting down? Yeah. How many times have we gone out ahead of Jesus and made a mess? Right? It's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. Yeah. No, it's not. No, it's not. 
right? That works for like the permit department at Grover Beach, right? That's fine. Do that, right? Build your ADU or your garage or whatever, and then ask forgiveness. That's fine. But when it comes to God, don't do that, right? Because you won't just have to reroute a plumbing or electrical line. You'll have to rebuild your life. Verse 51, but Jesus answered, no more of this. He's like, boy, what are you doing? And he touched the man's ear and healed him. That's cool. Jesus is like, are you cutting off ears? Stop it, right? (laughs) Why did Jesus do that? Why? Because Jesus doesn't want his friends arrested and crucified next to him. Because the moment that Peter cuts off the dude's ear, the high priests are like, oh, now we got them all. And Jesus is like, allegedly, and right? They're like, no harm, no foul, right? Oh, you did what? Oh, he, no, he didn't do anything. No, see, right? There it is. Yeah, it was, it was a felony, not no more, right? Boom, right? It was awesome. To the very end, Jesus is always helping his friends. He's calling you right now. (laughs) Sorry, Linda. I love you. (laughs) To the end, Jesus is always helping his friends and us, even when we fail, when we go out ahead, when we totally mess up. What happens next? Well, Jesus is going to be hauled off. He's going to be interrogated. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be spending the whole night literally being beaten up. And Peter is going to follow at a distance. He first stands at a fire outside the chief priest's house. And the chief priest's house is is, uh, where Jesus is being interrogated is literally on a lower floor, but it's a lower floor that opens out into the courtyard. And Peter's hanging out in the courtyard around it around a little barbecue pit, and he has a direct line of sight to Jesus, okay? That's important for what's gonna come next. And he can see Jesus attempting to stand after being beaten up and answer questions before this kangaroo court. And for Peter, who two hours before at the dinner, when Jesus said, hey, somebody's gonna betray me, Peter's like, not me, never, I'll die first. And Jesus is like, son, you're going to betray me three times. We were chicken crows tonight. And Peter's like, nuh-uh. Jesus is like, mm-hmm. The first 56, ready? A nine-year-old girl, nine-year-old girl, little girl, right? The word girl is like before puberty girl, a little girl. A servant little girl saw him seated there in the firelight She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. I love this. But he denied it. (laughs) What does he call her? Woman. (laughs) So great. Peter's intimidated by a little tiny girl, right? He's like, I don't know him, he said. So fantastic. You know how kids are, right? Right? He's really overweight, mommy. Why is his head so big, right? These are things little girls have said about me, you know? 
Why is his voice so nasally, mommy? I don't know it's how God made me, right? This man was with him. Woman, I love this, fantastic. Okay, that's once. Ready, here we go, read with me. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you're also one of them. That's right, come on, give it to me. Man, I'm not. This is the best one. Now they've heard Peter speak, and Galileans have a different accent than people in Jerusalem, right? I always think that it's from the South, because I can do that the best, right? Here we go, next one. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, listen, y'all, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, that stupid chicken went, and Peter's like, he immediately looks to Jesus, and here's this, here's these verses that just crushed me with the power and the beauty and the glory of the gospel every time. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today, you'll disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Jesus just looks at Peter, and Peter looks at Jesus. I'm Peter. I'm there, sick to my stomach, nervous, desperate to try and think of something to do, and then Jesus looks at me the moment that I've betrayed him the third time. And in Jesus' eyes, I see all the compassion and all the love that I've always wanted to know. In his eyes and in his bruises and bloodied lip, I see all the pain and all the sorrow of my foolishness marked on his innocent flesh. In Jesus' eyes, I see his faithfulness to me when I am not faithful to him. In his eyes, I see my Savior who loves me and forgives me, who chooses to be wrecked by my free will and then to rescue me and redeem me. Only Jesus, in the face of my betrayal, can say, not only do I love you and forgive you, But your betrayal doesn't make you worthless. No, quite the opposite. It makes you worth everything to me, and I will give my life for you so that you can always be bonded in in union with me. It was 1973 in Egypt, Easter Sunday. Not in Egypt, Uganda, the middle of Africa. In Uganda, groaned under the care of Idi Amin. Anybody over the age of 50 remember Idi Amin? Still fresh in Pastor Kifa Sempagi's memory was uh, uh, Pastor Sempagi. He had just watched soldiers beat and crush and kill and maim the people of his village, all for the crime of being a Christian. So it's Easter of 1973, and Pastor Sempagi bravely, openly preached at the town's football stadium where 7,000 people gathered for Sunday services, even when Idi Amin's forces were killing them systematically. 
And after the service, five of the secret police of Idi Amin followed Simpage back to his church and closed the door behind them. And five rifles pointed at the pastor's face. And the guy said this, we're gonna kill you for disobeying, disobeying Amin's order, but if you have something to say, say it before you die. And Simpage, thinking of his beautiful wife and his lovely little daughter, began to shake. And he said this, do what you must. But the word of God says that in Christ I am already dead and that my real life is hidden with him. It's not my life that's in danger, it's yours. I am alive in the risen Lord, but you are still dead in your sins. And may God spare you from eternal destruction. And the leader of the rifle squad looked at the pastor for a long time, and then he lowered his gun and he said, will you pray for us? And those five officers gave their lives to Jesus on that Easter Sunday, and they became the pastor's bodyguards for the months to come, leading through that awful time. This is the deep end. When your life is wrecked by, God, by other people, what will you do? Because the hope of the gospel is this. You wrecked somebody else, and his name is Jesus. And what did he do? He took the instrument of your betrayal, and he paid for it with his life. Why? Because on that wall for the last months, we've had a, a banner that says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Jesus paid for your betrayal with his life so that you could be bonded, welded, melded, connected with him for all eternity. So I want to invite you forward. I want to invite the worship team forward right now. I want to invite you forward to nail a nail on the cross. And if you feel like you can't nail a nail on the cross, there's holes pre-drilled, by the way. If you feel like you can't nail, then smack a nail that's already there. For those of you on this side, when you are dismissed, we're gonna start from the back rows first. When you come along this side and nail the nail, come back behind the cross here. And then on this beautiful quilt, on the back side of the quilt, we have people, 200 names that have already signed on this quilt. If you've not signed the quilt, sign the quilt. Because you're now connected to this church God's vine here in this place. We claim today as we nail our place in Jesus' heart, the one who loves us and forgives us. Amen? Amen. At the end, when you're done, have a seat, and then we'll sing, we'll sing our last song, and then we will eat incredible food together. Okay? So Rose is going to dismiss the back rows first. If you'd like, come on forward. So will you, even when you're wrecked by another human being, choose to believe that God loves you? Yes. And will you choose the way of love and offer them the same mercy and forgiveness that you've received today? Yes. Oh, brothers and sisters, I love you. 
Your heart is so good. You are so beautiful. I, I praise God for you. Thank you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance. That's his delight in you. And give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's beloved saints said, Amen. Oh, we got good. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 10.40 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.